Hi, and welcome to The Light Leaders, a podcast for light workers and conscious entrepreneurs who are passionate about raising the consciousness of our planet and take action to make it happen. I'm your host, Alexi Lember, and I believe that we are currently in the middle of a global awakening of humanity, that right now is the time for heart-centered conscious people to step into our power so we can replace the old paradigm and bring the conscious new earth into manifestation. So here, I'll interview a variety of people who lead this movement of creating this new earth, whether they do it through a meditation course, a conscious podcast, or an ethical cryptocurrency. I call them light leaders. If you resonate with our mission, please help us spread the message by sharing this podcast. We're having more and more content getting censored, so we need your help. Make sure to stay in touch also by registering to our newsletter on thelightleaders.org. If you hear little nuggets you love and you'd like to share, screenshot this episode and share on your Instagram stories, make sure to tag us at the Light Leaders Podcast and we will repost. I have a question for you. How can we build a new earth if we keep using the old systems? We can't. And this is why I'm such a fan of decentralized cryptocurrencies. I believe the old paradigm of centralized power and control is crumbling before our very eyes. The debt and money printing of governments is out of control. 35% of all US dollars in circulation today have been printed in the past 10 months. We are on the verge of a collapse of the old banking system and its currencies. I believe cryptocurrencies to be a safer store of value, an incredible investment opportunity, and a more fair system to build our societies upon. I am passionate about helping other conscious people learn why cryptocurrencies is the way and how they can change, they can, ah, ah need to read. <laughs> um, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I have a question for you. How can we build a new earth if we keep using the old systems? We can't. And this is why I'm such a fan of decentralized cryptocurrencies. I believe the old paradigm of centralized power and control is crumbling before our very eyes. The debt and money printing of governments is out of control. 35% of all US dollars in circulation today have been printed in the past 10 months. We are on the verge of a collapse of the old banking system and its currencies. I believe cryptocurrencies to be a safer store of value, an incredible investment opportunity, and a more fair system to build our societies upon. I am passionate about helping other conscious people Learn why cryptocurrency is the way and how they can join the movement. Learn more about how it works and create their own secured and balanced portfolio. With my friend Fabrice that I've had in this podcast, we have created a crypto workshop for beginners. You will find more information on thelightleaders.org slash crypto. Hi, and welcome to this new episode of The Light Leaders. Today, I'm with Kamao Abayomi. Kamao has been living and guiding others on the path of creative expansion, metaphysical awareness, self-transformation, and balanced living for 20 years. Kamau's way of life and guidance is rooted in a union of ancient African mysticism, Taoist principles, way of one metaphysics, and Tuluvian arts. 
Kamau is certified white tiger Qigong instructor and Tuluvian arts ambassador, offering services guiding people into the knowledge of how to live a balanced life through Qigong practice, nat nature connection, and expanding one's unique creative abilities. Kamao is also a two-time international poetry slam champion, an award-winning dance choreographer, art events curator, and author. Kamao, welcome to the show. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for having me here. My first question to you is, what are you grateful for today? Oh, I'm grateful for this moment. I'm grateful for all of the elements that needed to have their play in order for this moment to be possible. And that's so many, too many to count. So, you know, in, my, in that moment before we began or we took that gratitude, that's what I do. I think the all, the universe, the infinite, and the infinite expressed through all these individuated expressions. Uh, my soul, my squad, I call it my soul squad, <laughs> or my higher self homies, uh, you know, those who are intimately connected with me who intimately connect with other forces in order to bring together certain things to happen. Um, my squad, your squad, his squad, y'all squad, where y'all at? Hey, y'all squad. You know, all these different forces are at play at all times to allow moments like this to come together. So I give thanks to all of it. Mm. Thank you. I love to give a, a little bit of context and background to the listener, especially as to Um, what's your vision for the world, your greater why? And how do your activities help bring that world into manifestation? Hmm. Well, that's a great question, particularly the why part. You mm. know, um, for me, the greater vision is a, I, I like to use a garden as an example. Mm -hmm. And why do most of us appreciate gardens and walking through a nice, beautiful garden. And it's because of the diversity that's there, you know, the diversity of flowers, the different animals that are there, the insects, you know, big ones, small ones, the different variety of butterflies, uh, the scents that we smell, all this different diversity uh, is what makes the garden beautiful. And it allows us to relax as we travel through it because we can experience ourselves as a part of that diversity because just by us being there, we're also contributing to the uniqueness of it, right? And so when I envision a new earth as the term is, it's, it's very much rooted in that. Everyone's unique individual expression being an, an important contribution to the whole, to the one. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's a term unity and diversity, which is very prevalent. Uh, and uh, I take that to heart, you know, and so my work's And my why is very much related to I want to see each person shine their unique expression of the one infinite creator. Right. Everyone has a unique expression that there's no duplicate, you know, and too often we are conditioned, most often conditioned at a very young age to suppress that uniqueness in order to fit in, in order to, you know, um, play out what society thinks we should be doing. And. Our parents, our teachers, our religious figures, government officials, they they didn't they don't know no better because they they were taught the same way to condemn and to suppress. And so um, the liberation of the spirit, the liberation of the soul is really the liberation of our unique identity, our unique sovereignty as spiritual beings that is also 
very important part of the the one. So um, my why is I I the future when people talk about liberation and freedom, it's rooted in that people mm-hmm. being who they are without impositions on anyone else and no one imposing on them. So. Mm. And I'm super excited to have you today. I mean, personally, um, what you shared about society and expressing that creativity has been part of my journey of being in a prestigious business school, doing finance, working in startups, and recently finding um, a lot of joy in that creativity that I thought I didn't have. And, and I'm also excited to have you because you have all these different angles also on... on um, I was uh, joking about it before we start. It's, it's, it's really hard to put you in a box in a way as people could uh, listen with the introduction. Uh, you're a Qigong master and you're uh, connected to Tuluvian arts. I don't know what that is, but I'd be interested to know and African mysticism. So yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> yeah, man. No boxes. <laughs> um, yeah, and so... And so I fully resonate with the mission you shared. And concretely, how do you help um, people live in that freedom? And, and also harmony is what came through when you shared. Sure, for sure. Um, well, first I start with my own personal life. And, you know, I've been based in Bali for 17 years. And even before coming to Bali, you know, my life has been about balance mm. and principle, which what Taoists call Wu Wei, or the Chinese call Wu Wei, which is effortless action. You know, to be able to put the necessary energy into something and then allow life to take the reins and allow things to come into fulfillment. And so in coming to Bali, it provided the perfect opportunity to live out that philosophy, that way of life that I've, I've always um scene, which is much, it's so difficult to attain in Western nations because it's so much, and now everywhere in the world, but so much about work, 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 work. There's no time to just relax into the flow of life. There's, you have to schedule time to <laughs> get into the flow of life, which is, you know, interesting, right? Uh, but that's not, that's not a natural flow. The natural flow is to be able to navigate and move in your own time. Uh, but when we have time set up for us, it's very difficult to do that. And so in, in being in a place like Bali, it allows mm. for myself, it allowed for myself to be better in better control mm. of my own time. That, that's actually just a parenthesis on this. It could be actually an interesting discussion because I feel sometimes that if I dedicate a few days to not plan things, mm-hmm. I'm able to be more in flow because otherwise... Somehow I'm like, I allow myself to not do anything and not plan. For sure. For <laughs> sure. There's, I mean, flow and ebb are, are married, right? Mm. And depending on where we are in our journey, right? It's like, um, unless you was coming from a Western context again, where everything is so scheduled, mm. everybody's on clocks and you got to be to work at this time, got this meeting at this time, got lunch at this time. Gotta, I, I do have know. sometimes in my calendar, like two days, no planning, <laughs> flow, yeah. flow time. Now, if this is the world that you're living in, then 100%, then schedule, you got to schedule that time in order to do nothing. Mm. Otherwise, you know, you'll, you'll just, you'll, you'll burn out from too much scheduling, mm. right? Uh, case in point, Japan, right? I love Japan. Those who know me know I have a very deep connection with that land. 
Anyhow, I've been there like 10 times. And Japan is so ordered. It's very ordered, structured. Trains never late. <laughs> it says it's going to be there at 10.15. That shit is pulling up. 10.14, you see it. You know, it's coming. So it's very ordered. And so when I went to, I was there in 2019, right before, you know, the global madness happened. And I was doing some Qigong stuff, right? And I went for just a little, little tea in this little spot right down the road from the park where I was going to teach at. I was like, oh, I had my little push bite. And I was like, okay, it's right up the road. Have my little drink. And I was finishing it. And I don't, I'm not a rusher either. That's one thing I don't rush like this. My coffee, it was, it was coffee I had that day. My coffee wasn't done. So I said, mm-hmm, all right. I finished it and it was about three minutes before the session. So I get on the bike and I roll up to the park and I get there maybe about four minutes past the, the scheduled time. And um, there was one woman who was sitting there and she comes up and she's like, oh, I wasn't sure if it was going to happen. I'm like, yeah, it's not, of course it's going to happen. She's like, oh, it's just, I was just waiting. Are there other people coming? I was like, yeah, there are other people supposed to be here. And then we walked around this curve and then other people were over there and they're coming up like, are you okay? Are you, is everything okay? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we didn't know what happened. You know, I was like <laughs> literally five minutes late. <laughs> that so, would not happen in Bali. Wouldn't happen in Bali, right? <laughs> But it shows you how the illusion of time is, right? And it's very contextual, how people operate with time. Now, if we're, for myself, uh, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a person who lives by that clock. You know, there's a divine clock at play, but that, tick, 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 I don't really live by that. And this not to say at all that when something is scheduled, you know, you don't rock up. It's just like, you know, um, you respect people's time, but we're not slaves to it. Because we understand life is, has its time as well, you know, um, Coming on the way there, boom, ceremony. Oh, shit, can't go this way. Got to go five minutes around the other way. You know, now if I'm a, a strict adherent to time, then that's going to cause me stress. And then if I'm stressed out, am I going to throw that stress onto that? Oh, you should be here there. And that's, that's unnecessary drama. You know, whereas, you know, in Bali, that's one of the beauty. The Bali time is just like, oh, it's okay. You know, we understand. Right? I had that issue when I first moved here and I was choreographing some some kids I used to work with with dancing. They were B-boys. Always showing up late. Always showing up late. Then I had to figure it out. I had to adjust my frame to be here as opposed to coming from my Western frame of, you need to be mm. here right on the dot. Boom, 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 boom. I was like, okay, if I want them to be here at 5 p.m., they got to tell him them to be here at 4 p.m. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I say, okay, we start at 5 o'clock, they're going to be here at 5.30. I do the same with my events in <laughs> Bali, right? <laughs> that's how it is, right? So yeah. that's my adjustment. Mm. That's not me to try to yeah. say you need to be like my time. Where, where did you grow up? In San Francisco, California, yes. Oakland, California, both sides of the bank. Yeah. And so then you, you've been in Bali for 17 years. 17 years. Question that comes to mind is how did you get to Bali? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, Twenty-minute story condensed. Yeah. <laughs> We're it, joking because longer it, story actually. There is the longest story on your. It's, I mean, like, um, actually, it was it, it by by happenstance. It just it came down, but I did. It was a whole hour. I did. Mm-hmm. I told how that okay. I got here. Oh, it's a, it was an hour, full story, uh, but I'll condense it for a blurb for you. <laughs> uh, essentially, in. 2013, top of 2013, I was in a bookstore in San Francisco and um, 
I was getting some items for an altar shrine I was making in my house. And this woman comes up to me. She's like, you got some really, really strong spirit guides around you. And they're telling me to talk to you. And like, she's like, look, she's like, one is right here. And she describes one who I know is intimately connected to me. So it pricked my ears up. I was like, okay. Then she gave me a card that says she was a clairvoyant and does tarot ratings and these things. And I was like, all right. But I thought she wanted some money when I saw the card. But as soon as I had the thought, she was like, you know, don't worry about money. This is really important. And so we ended up meeting the next day. Spoke about a variety of things. And then she said, you're going to come into some money soon. You're going to do a lot of traveling. And um, she mentioned Australia. So long story short, um, a few months later, came into some money. And at that time, I didn't even have a passport yet. But uh, as soon as I got that money, I was like, okay, well, let me go see what's going on in Australia. So I got my passport, planned to go to Australia. Then I didn't want to just go directly there. So I booked a ticket to Thailand. And between Thailand and Sydney, where I was going, I had a free stop. And then that's how I found out about Bali. I was like, eh, that looks cool. I'll go check it out. Then came here. And um, this place resonated with me most on that. Mm -hmm. Came back a couple months later. Ended up touring Asia. I was really active in the spoken word scene at that time in the, in the States. Ended up getting a tour going through Asia. Finished that tour. I was like, I want to go stay somewhere for a little bit. Came here for five months and um, loved it. Just my whole world expanded. Mm. And when I went back to San Francisco afterwards, everything was different. I was like, I don't, I don't want to be here right now. Uh, not that I'm going to move away, but it was just like, I, I still want to be having more experiences out there. So two weeks later, I came back and just with open, just open for whatever life wanted to present. Mm. And it just kept presenting things, kept presenting things. And then I, I ended up not going back there for five yes. years. So that's how I got here. Yes. And we're happy to have you here. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. You organize amazing poetry events that I've hey. uh, been to. And... I'm curious how you got into spoken words. Yeah. Um, so first, uh, so I, skateboarding was my first love, yeah. right? I skated from age, say, eight to about 17. I started moving more into, well, actually 16. 16, I started moving more into dance and rapping. So rapping, I started first. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, I was at a house party at one time with just my friends and folks, you know, getting drunk and girls and that whole thing. And I wasn't a drinker at all. I've never been a drinker. So um, I was just observing, just hella bored. And I had my pen and pad with me and I just started writing. And prior to that with raps, I was, um, you know, writing to beats, but I didn't have a beat at that moment. So I just started writing with whatever was coming and just basically just, you know, describing what I saw in that party. And, um, Later on, I shared it, and then you know, uh, some people were like, "Oh, that's good," you know. And then I ended up going to an open mic, and then I shared it at open mic. People were like, "Oh, that was really good, really good." So I wrote another one. Uh, the next one was about a, this girl, this woman. <laughs> as as poets, women tend to inspire good poetry. <laughs> I, I know because actually, what drew me to come to your poetry event is my is my yeah. current partner, <laughs> right? <laughs> and to get more into poetry, right, right. The muses, right? The muses. So, yeah, uh, if you listen, cute. <laughs> and um, and so that's how I got into it. And same, I, I wrote that, and then just started from there writing, and I didn't, knowing that I didn't need a beat to write. And um, and just kept going from there. And then I, you know, we get invited to open mics. I uh, started sharing in that context, and 
Yeah, getting getting more mm-hmm. energy from people who were friends and appreciated the work. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Were, were you always feeling um, you had that creative spark? Did you have anything that unlocked that creativity? Uh, well, I came in with it. I mean, I was born into it. My mother was in the theater arts, you know, um, so just being a youngster on her hip while she's like doing acting, co- coaching actors. And, you know, she was also a high school drama teacher. So, you know, um, watching her direct plays and teach theater. And, um, and then she also had a theater publication. So whenever there was a big uh, black production in the States that came to San Francisco, often the after party was at my house. So there was just always this creative energy just around me. My pops was, wasn't his profession profession, but it was his love and his hobby was photography. So he's always taking photos and stuff like that. And so, um, and then just the community, particularly at that time, you know, uh, the eighties and whatnot, just a lot of bubbling hip hop energy and things like that. So I just grew up with it in my environment. And, um, and I went to an art school. I went to the first art school in elementary arts, elementary school in, in the States. So um, it was in San Francisco. So just had it around me. Yeah. And do you see a lot of change in people who start a creative activity? 100%. Um, I adhere to the philosophy very strongly that everyone's an artist. Mm. You know, different capacities, but creative spirit is imbued in all of us. And to the degree that we can tap in it is to the degree that we can really find some, some deeper fulfillment with ourselves. You know, even people who are really highly successful in the business context, when you, when you get into the way they think is a very creative way they think and the way they come at business, you know, so each lane, whether it's, you know, the, the creative, creative arts or the, you know, the um, expressive arts, painting, um, live performance arts, all these things, dance, music, those clearly arts, but people don't think about business in the terms of being the art of business, you know, or um, the art of journalism, you know, or um, the art of (laughs) teaching and the art of spiritual development, the art of transmitting transmitting energy or the art of, it's all arts because it's all part of the creative process. And life itself is a constant, never ceasing creative process. Everything we see was once in the unseen and through the creative processes it came into the to the manifestation of the physical world. So, um, and no point is the creative process not happening. It's just, are we in alignment with the creative mm-hmm. processes or not? Are we, are we stepping out of that? Uh, and we've been conditioned to not activate it yeah. often. So, and, and I'll ask you about this, but just to precise, um, a lot of the people who listen, they have businesses around, um, let's say, raising the consciousness of our planet, uh, however the method is. And I'm interested in some precisions around what's the difference between running your business as an art versus other ways to run your business? Uh, <clears throat> well, the depth of an, an artist is in that artist's ability to express their self, their spell honestly, the depth of their honest expression, and to do it in a manner that is uniquely them, that is reflective of their experience and their moment. And, you know, when we witness it on the dance floor, like I'm sure, or music, whatever context of expression, 
you know, the difference between someone who's very technically gifted and someone who is just common with it, right? Um, oftentimes you can find people who are highly technically skilled. Something's missing that just doesn't make you feel them. And then you got someone who doesn't have all the technical skill, but you completely feel them, right? Mm. And that energy is going to get more magnetized and people are going to gravitate towards that individual who's fully mm. coming with it, even though they don't have all the technical versus someone who's super technical and doesn't have the soul in it, right? So um, for a person in business, the, the current state of the planet is because the people who are running businesses lack soul. And their individuation is from a selfish standpoint, not from a holistic, I'm a part of the whole standpoint. Right? And so for people who are engaging in quote unquote conscious business, what is the unique contribution to society? Like for real, is it really in service to the whole or is it service to the self being presented as raising consciousness? Mm. And a lot of people who are, coming into business consciousness or coming from the corporate world. They were once doing other businesses in that world and now they've had some type of epiphany. Great, wonderful. They've had some type of awakening in some degree and they want to move into a more conscious business. Great, we need that. That's necessary in order to create you know, the, the better world, right? Simultaneously, have, has that person really disengaged from the old way of thinking in regards to business? Are they still operating from that same paradigm though just dressing it up differently? Mm -hmm. So a person who's engaged in, in quote unquote conscious business needs to be consciously aware of what is their intention. Are they really at that space to be imparting this information in their business? And what is the true result? What is the true goal? Is the goal monetary goal or is it truly about raising the consciousness of the people? And these are questions a person in, to discover that and to really answer that to be in service to the whole, you're going to tap into your creative artistry and implement that into the business. Yeah, and, and that's definitely a, a really interesting conversation. I mean, I, even as you share now, uh, I'm reflecting on myself and self-checking because mm -hmm. I, I, I see there are still parts of you know, status thing that can come or great parts that can come into play even on a, yeah. on a conscious business for sure. And, and I think... Uh, that takes that takes uh, time to worry. It does. Sure. It does. Yeah. It takes time and it takes self reflection, like really asking these questions because it's really, really easy. Uh, no, let me remix that. Um, it's still open field because it's relatively new conscious business. It's relatively new, and it's pretty easy to get some acclaim if you have a little bit of something in this field because it's so new. So the ability to discern where one is at in their own progress is really important, um, particularly because there's so many offerings, workshops, abilities to gain, new, I mean, opportunities to gain new abilities, new skills are so prevalent. It's like every day you can go to something and learn some new skill. Uh, every weekend you can spend a couple of days and then all of a sudden you have a paper that says, hey, I can do this. Right. So because of that, um, it can can muddy the field. And so a person has to really discern where they are at within all of that. And I find that people who do tap into their true creativity, regardless of what's happening, excuse me, regardless of what's happening uh, in the field, they'll still be able to impart 
what it is they're to, they're to impart and it will magnetize and people who are ready for that will come through. Mm. Yeah, that's such a such an interesting topic for sure. And, and at the same time, it's it's how to me at least and and with the people I interview, it's how do we navigate not being taken over by those old paradigms of status yeah. and greed and For sure. um, and competition. And at the same time, also allowing to play with energies like power, like money and not being shying away from it right. and, and doing using these energies also in service. For sure. Yeah, there's a thing, you know, people will often say, oh, money is just energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, uh, but it's a very, very powerful energy. Mm. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, it has uh, become the, the dominant thing that people chase in this planet, you know? And so we have to be ultra conscious about our, our relationship to it, yeah. you know, and not be slave to it. Sure, get, get it, for sure, get the money. I'm not saying that because we need more people with awareness with lots of money so they can be able to implement these new things. It's definitely part of the message here, whether it's coaches or people with, uh, I, uh, I feel like can help do that switch to a more conscious earth. I'd be like, well, I want you to have money or even systems. Uh, we talk a lot about cryptocurrencies. Uh, can sure. we have a monetary system that is more fair? But yeah, along the, along the line can, as you say, it's a very powerful energy. It is, you know. Million dollars, come on. I already know what I'll do. <laughs> you know, I'm doing it regardless. I've done a lot without the money. So just, you know, put that in the hands. I definitely will roll. So definitely want folks to, to get it, to have, to have that resource, to have that ability to bring into manifestation the, the things that they envision, you know. Mm. Uh, it's it's necessary, definitely. You know, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of good people in Bali doing great stuff. You know, there's a lot of stuff popping off because people have been able to acquire resources to to mm -hmm. create things. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, I think so. Definitely want to funnel that energy more into um, what the people who I think are more heart centered and and wanting uh, to be of service to the whole rather than the self and. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always the, the shadow behind, for sure. For sure. Um, I'm, I'm quite interested also in, you know, you talked about um, education and how we brought up and our whole society. Um, I mean, that's my opinion, but I think you also mentioned it, that our society kind of almost trains us to be more robots that or cogs that fit in a, in an economic machine and that creativity is not valued in our society. Um, do you agree and why? Do you, do, do you know why? Um, I wouldn't say it's not valued. I would say it's misvalued, meaning that the true spirit of creativity is not cultivated to the degree that it can be. And if it were to be cultivated to that degree, we have a completely different society, a completely different planet. You know, um, creativity way? and artists are exploited. So the system knows the value of artists and artistry. The system knows the value of it. Uh, the system misvalues it because it has 
other things as higher priority. It sees the creative aspects, the creative spirit, the artists as a means to get them somewhere because they haven't accessed that spirit. So it's like utilize, it's like the siphoning of energy from people who have it. Are you referring, for example, something. to uh, very famous pop stars? Pop stars, well, let's, let's use that as an example, mm -hmm. right? A lot of pop stars, not all, but a lot of pop stars are real artists. You know, people, oh, they're pop, whatever, but they were once that young artist in their neighborhood, in their garage, or, you know, in their bedroom, or at the local club, or whatever it was, mm -hmm. doing their thing. And someone from a who had a business mindset said i can i can make you famous <laughs> they said that to him and shot him some some change you know and once they shot him that change and that that artist who had that true spirit of creativity moving through them once they put their name on that line then all of a sudden that, that creativity became owned mm. by a corporation mm. And that corporation began to steer all that creative spirit into how it wants to steer it, right? So you get a famous singer, for example, or rapper or, or, or musician or whatever, and they once were speaking things that uplifted the people. And we said, oh, yeah, you're going to reach the people. And then once they got to a certain point, then it's like, all right, you're going to mm -hmm. put on this. You're going to say this. These are the writers you're going to work with. This is who you're going to work with production-wise. Mm -hmm. Right. This is your video director, not your friend over there. You always been written. No, this is your video director. Is this something that was presented in your life too? Oh, well, same. Yeah, I grew up around music, and then just observing the patterns of artists who I, mm. I am. Um, I But for you personally, has it been a dilemma at some point? No, not me personally, because I've been an independent artist. Mm. You know, I haven't worked with a major label like that, so I've been blessed to steer my own path yeah. and because of my expression is very much art, mm. <laughs> you know, it didn't require, and I, don't, I wasn't on a mission to be famous. Mm. So um, it didn't require me to, to move into that lane. Um, but I know people who have moved in that lane and I've been in circles and been in certain events and such where I've tapped that energy and got to experience it as well as just being observant because I understand a lot of the music. I grew up listening to a lot of music and I, Just I observe these things. Mm. Um, and so uh, this is one way in which creative spirit mm. is misvalued, is exploited by people who are in higher positions of power. Mm. You know, and, and this is what we have to, to switch up, right? And if we're talking about creating a, a new future. And so businesses now, these conscious-minded businesses, have to think in lines of, all right, what is my who is on my team? Like when people typically think of their business, their team, they have their, you know, their people who manage the money, the people who manage the media, people who um, manage promotions, things like that. But do you have an artistic team that's a part of your business, right? Do you have a team of artists that you know these artists are on point, they're on a certain level of consciousness, this is who I want to work with in my business, bring them a part of the business. Not just in the sense of, yeah, I've got this great idea. And I'm just going to hire a couple of artists to do my things. No, make them a part of, give them some equity <laughs> and give them a stake in the business. So as the business grows, these artists can also grow. So they can have a bit more abundance coming in that they can activate on higher level projects, right? Mm -hmm. 
if another business had that same philosophy, you know, it's like, okay, these are our team. Then you got a whole bunch of businesses where it's not just business and we hire artists to do what we say. It's like, mm-hmm. no, we have artists who know who are true to their craft mm-hmm. who are part of our team. So everything is, you know, moving in a way that's holistic. And so it's presented consistently on an elevating level because those artists are constantly elevated, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's one way that I see would be uh, benefiting future business. Mm-hmm. And, and to go back to why it's not encouraged, um, you talked about how the world would be different if, let's say, it was better used, creative power. How different would that world be? Well, let's, let's take architecture for an example. Modern architecture or your typical house that's being built, yeah. villa or whatever, if... This was a thousand years ago, let's just say, for example. The artists create the houses. Mm. Like when you look at traditional Balinese houses and things like that, the roofs and all the different carvings and all these things, it's craftsmanship, right? And it's dedication and time. And with that dedication and time is a lot of energy being put into the living space versus, you know, getting the cheapest materials possible, making these concrete blocks that just you just Mm. plant over a bunch of natural land you know plant this concrete block amongst nature and it sticks out like a yeah it's got no kind of feng shui flowing through it it's you know you you, you feel what i'm saying so if that creative energy is properly harnessed then same, same as the same with the businesses, right? Like if we were making a, if we were gonna make a village, as people talk about, let's building new communities and these, these things. And well, we're the artists within that process. Mm. Building new communities, and you ain't got no artists a part of your team. The village might not be too cute. Mm. <laughs> so almost like having always efficiency as a primary efficiency, goal. beauty, yeah. all of these things that can can elevate the human spirit, mm. right? And I could imagine people um, thinking, well, that's all nice, but, um, you know, if, uh, it's all nice in Bali and for some people, but if you want to ha- give houses to, uh, you know, millions of people in cities, that's not efficient. Still efficient. They got to reconstruct a lot of, well, cities are, cities got a lot of work. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there is, it's so far the other way that sometimes it feels like it just has to go and then just do it again. Not saying it has to be, but it just feels that way sometimes. Um, city planning though, right? Are there are there any artists involved in city planning? Because just the artist's eye is different. Artists look at things differently, right? Uh, I, I was saying before, I used to skateboard. To this day, I can't look, just ride on my bike and look at a bank and not in my mind do a trick on that bank. Mm. <laughs> I cannot look at handrails like normal handrails. <laughs> yeah. I look at them like a skater, even though I haven't skated in, in a decade or whatever. Mm. Decade, a long time. Yeah, so an artist's mind being involved in the process of city planning, mm. a poet being involved in the process of a politician's speech making. So, you know, it's like... Yeah. People who have an elevated awareness, people who look mm. at things from multiple perspectives, being a part of the process of creating the new world, as opposed to government structures, which are operating from this old paradigm, mm. you know, and that's, that's important. 
I feel, I feel that on the, um, let's say, building blocks of society, having more artists, uh, as you said, would reconnect us with beauty, with that creativity. And at the same time, on an individual level, I'm quite interested into, um, I, I feel that also encouraging people to be more creative, to reconnect with that creativity. We also bring people yeah, who have more freedom, maybe more critical thinking also. Um, I've, I've definitely felt that discovering more my creativity, um, I don't know, maybe made me question things more and, and yeah. Which is another reason why they, it's, it gets stamped out yeah. or controlled, right? Usually when, when events take place and, and governments decide to cut budgets, and I'm not saying every government, but I'll speak for, for the, the U.S. government, I know for sure. First thing to go is are the arts programs. Mm. Cut the music, cut the, <laughs> cut the arts funding. That's mm. like the first thing to go. Yeah, and even at school, at least where I grew up, the music or arts is like not important. It's not important. And then so much, again, conditioning from society, which goes into families, uh, that say that say okay that's okay to do the art stuff while you're little but then you got to get a real job mm. you know that whole statement like what a real job what is that I was born to do this yeah. <laughs> so if if we have harmonious societies then those harmonious societies are also set up where those whose path in life is to be creatives can be fully sustained in that mm -hmm. as well. And in a harmonious society, there would be funding for these creators because they beautify society, mm -hmm. right? In the past, that was, that was an honorable mm -hmm. thing to provide, to provide beauty to the, to the village. Mm -hmm. You know, the artisans were, were put on a higher level, right? Yeah, personally, I almost feel like it's, it's um, easier to control people who are, there's a de dehumanization, like an alienation process yeah. through, uh, in general, disconnecting humans from their heart, I think, and their creativity and making more uh, productive machine out of mm -hmm. them. And look, I don't know if it's intentional, uh, but I've, I feel, I don't know, um, but do you think there's a part of uh, people who govern society that wants to control more through that? For sure. Uh, I mean, we see it. Look at the state of the world. You can't, you just can't look at the state of this world and be like, yeah, government's super creative, man. <laughs> Good job. Nah, I mean, just look at the government. Mm. Ain't no creative spirit flowing through. Look at, look at the way they dress. I mean, <laughs> just look at the face. <laughs> Ain't no creative spirit flowing. You know, and so, but system and patterns are flowing you know, are going because they keep happening over and over, generational stuff, right? And so to break that, you know, it has to be injected with some new creative spirit. And that's mm -hmm. the difficulty because um, the, the mechanisms that keep that system going are so deeply entrenched that even if you put people who have a more expanded awareness into those things, they basically, get sucked up into it and it's mm -hmm. very difficult for them to really implement things that they may want to implement. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, I say it's like a tangled rubber band ball of barbed wire. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's how you're going to unravel is, mm -hmm. you know, I can't say that. I can't say that I have the answer for that. No. Um, life is going to, going to show different ways. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's going to be easy at all. 
think there's going to be a lot of hardship in that process. And there is, you can see. Yeah. Um, adding another perspective to it, you're also a Qigong instructor. Yeah. How do you, what do you feel is the importance of mindfulness practices to have more creativity? Like, how do you relate the two? Yeah. Uh, I'll refer to a little bit what I was saying earlier about, you know, life itself is a creative process. You know, the, the seed to the sprout into the tree into the seeds and that whole process is a creative process. Um, and so to immerse oneself in natural environment helps to restore our natural senses, our natural state of being. And from that natural state of being, what becomes clear is creative processes. And the importance of being in nature is because it helps to just naturally restore our own equilibrium, right? So Qigong as a practice is, is about the harmonization of you know, our body, our breath, our mind, and allowing us to enter that flow without force. You know, you, you can't really force a flow state. You have to let go into it, surrender into it, you know, and once that happens, then, you know, things begin to, to move on its own because you're now correct, connected with something that is larger mm. than our own personal thing. And um, for me, being in nature is, it's like, you know, yeah, complete immersion into self because you recognize that self goes beyond just this. It goes into the trees, it goes into the rivers, the ocean, the mountains, the, the elements, the, the animals, all become part of what we would call self or what I call self. So from that, that, um, that time spent, and it has to be a lot of time, then once you go back into environments that are whether city-like or where there's just a whole lot of people and a lot of movement, you carry that energy. And so the, that energy will begin to show itself even in those environments that are quote-unquote chaotic or city-like. Begin to move in a way where it's a bit smoother even in those environments because now we're recognizing that, hey, even this chaos is a part of nature, <laughs> Right. You know, I love those images of deep space. I don't know if you ever look at like Hubble images and stuff. I love those images just to contemplate the, va the, the, the vastness of it all. You know, it's unfathomable, you know, but to look at the or, or those videos of like, you know, here's our Earth and then here's Mars, here's Jupiter, here's our sun. And then here's the next sun. It's like, <laughs> and then here's the biggest sun, which is like a million of our sun. It's just like, fuck. Right. And it's humbling simultaneously it's connective that we are that that sun that is a million this times the size of our sun that sun that if it was in our solar system would go from the center all the way to saturn <laughs> suns that big exist and we are also intimately connected with those as well those suns as well and being in nature allows that remembrance to take place for me and and so i impart that to people and this is why i i'm like man 
You know, Qigong is a beautiful practice. Practice it in nature. Like I teach in nature. I don't teach in studios. Not that I won't teach in studios. But generally, if I'm setting up the session, it's in nature. Because nature is the natural assistant for Qigong. If you practice Qigong on the beach, I don't need to tell you how to breathe like this all for, through the duration of the class. I tell you once, twice, then you'll sink into it because the waves are going to help you. Mm. <laughs> the wind is going to help you, you know? And, um, and this is nature. The elements are all within our body. So if we can connect with them here, then we can connect with them outside of our body. Because yeah. all we're really doing is expanding our awareness to compass a greater aspect of what we consider mm. self. That's all we're doing. So Qigong and being in nature helps mm. to do that. And is that really helping you to have the creativity flow through you? For sure. Yeah. You know, the channel is clear. Yeah. And for me, at a certain point, you know, like there's certain people who who say like, and I know a lot of these people, I can't, mm. I can't create unless I'm in a stressful environment. Mm. Or I can't create unless, you know, um, I'm going through some hard type of thing. Like people... And I'm just like, damn, it's like, you know, and, and it's true. You know, of course, there's a lot of great art comes from pain. And the great art that comes from joy is often overlooked in, in favor of pain because the pain is so striking. It's just, you know, like sex and violence sells the most, mm -hmm. right? Uh, But it's like, man, can we be just as genius in expressing our creativity through joy, from joy, inspired by joy and, and proper love, true love, as we can from pain? Sure we can. Sure we can. So we don't need to be under stress in stressful environments to, to tap into our deep creativity. We can be in completely love, um, you know, serene environments and also tap into that depth of creativity. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's going to have a different vibration and expression, but it still can be just as deep. And in fact, that will have a deeper transformation as far as radiating out than the, the, the pain will, even though the pain will relate to more people because there's more people in pain. But the, the coming from that love space that, that, that connected that, that we talk about spirituality and chakras, right? You know, there's the primal creative force. And then there's the, the higher center creative forces as well, which is, you know, coming at this point. The heart being the bridge point. So from, if we have our root and then our second center is that primal force coming within our body, if we're going to say that, then our heart being our bridge as the higher forces, then the next one up of our creative forces is in our throat, our wisdom center, right? Our, our individuation center, our vocal center, our expressive center. Right. If we're connecting our heart and our throat and then we can tap into some really deep creativity. We start connecting all of that, then, you know, we can go wherever we need to go. And this is what nature can assist in, in connecting because it helps to open. You know, being in nature is not a contracting, you know, experience if you allow yourself to be. And being in cities and all these things where it's, it's so easy to contract. So you're forced to kind of create your way out of it, which is which serves that purpose, which is healing purposes as well. Um, but that's not the only thing. Well, Kamau, I feel like we could speak for hours. 
<laughs> and I'd love to get more and more of your wisdom. We could do another episode at some point yes, before this one will, uh, will be finishing very soon. I'd love to ask you, uh, how can people follow you and what's next for you? Um, well, I, I keep it flowing. If you want to connect with me, uh, Instagram is the best way at this point. I'm building a new website. I had an old one, which is, is down now, but I'm creating a new one. Um, but Instagram, Kamau Abayomi, uh, or Silent Warrior Spirit. is Those are the two ones that I use. Uh, currently, you know, in the process of creating a, an art exhibition for, for next month, a month away from now. So just curating that and putting that together. And it is deep diving into um, the processes of weaving and unweaving identity and the, what we deem as us and who we are. You know, and from my experience, having had experiences being beyond this, having experiences of being in different incarnations, I know that I'm not just this. And so um, as well as the connections that go beyond just this level of experience, this density, this dimension of, of experience, uh, they're multiple. Right now, there's so much happening around us that we can't perceive because just our, our eyes aren't, aren't able to perceive it. But with certain practices and certain levels of learning, uh, we can expand our awareness to access this, this level of information. And so I've had multiple experiences while I've been able to access this level of information and bring that through. And so this, um, this exhibition is going to showcase some of that <laughs> in um, an artistic form. Yeah, thanks, Kamau. And I really want to acknowledge you and thank you for your time coming here. Thank you. For sharing uh, some of your wisdom. And um, for people who listen or view the video, it's also very embodied in your in your energy. Sometimes I feel you're almost levitating faces. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and would you like to share some? I'd love if you could share some spoken words maybe to finish the episode. Hmm. Um, yeah, I could. Ooh, I should have thought of something before. <laughs> I said, let me see. Um, I actually have a piece called The New Earth. I haven't done it in a long time, though. I don't know if I can remember it all. Uh, if I can remember how it started, I might be able to do it. How does it start? Um, the, ah, okay. I may forget the end. I don't know, but I'll try it. I'll Let's try see. it. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see how... Tell you. I, I kind of... Caught you by surprise. Let me, let me see. All right. There is a wave approaching from within. When it arrives, nothing will be as it was. Indiscriminate metamorphosis, all will be love. Emerging from the chrysalis, all wings will spread. Harvest of life, disappearance of dead. Vanished in a fear that can no longer sustain itself here. This new earth gives sight crystal clear. Holistic communion constant travels unceasing like waves to a shore, rippling from the core of the cosmos. How deep we can dive when we allow ourselves to float, alive in a knowing that transcends hope. The horizon is close in stillness we approach. Gratitude of, gratitude of evolution and the rise of our host. 
dawn of new ancient ways. Total being is total praise. Thoughts delayed, thoughts delight as the light rays to praise in a countless ways. An entire spectrum in every ray. A song for every color. Dance with tears of joy in the experience as lovers. Naked reality, no seeking of cover. Naked reality, no seeking of cover. Yeah, I remembered it. Nice <laughs> <laughs> cool. one. I think we can leave the cool. listener on this on this beautiful words. So thank you so much, Kamau. Thank you, bro. Thank you to the listener. Thank you, bro. Peace. Thank you for taking some of your precious time to listen to this podcast. If you stayed until the end, I assume it was insightful. So if you like this podcast, please share with friends. Remember that if you tag us in your Instagram story at the Light Leaders Podcast, we will repost. Tell us what you've learned. You can also leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Now, if you want to stay posted about new podcast releases, especially as we get censored more and more on big tech platforms, make sure to join our newsletter and our Telegram. You'll find the links on thelightleaders.org and feel free to contact me directly too, whether it's for feedback or potential collaborations. Thank you again, and let's co-create the conscious new earth together. Thank you for watching my YouTube channel. If you like this video, don't forget to hit the like button and to subscribe to my channel.